Well, again, just welcome everybody. It's good to, to be together. You know, this song, I think it's needed more than ever in our short collective time together. I, I don't think of, I can't think of another moment where this song is more applicable. When I look at social media, Instagram, Facebook, etc., I see this quoted left and right by people that I never even thought would look to the Psalms for you know, comfort and direction at this time. It's beautiful in its words, but more I think it's in its simplicity. David's pretty disciplined here. He limits the amount of wor words that he uses. You know, it's 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 all of six verses here, and you sort of think like after the first three verses or the first two that you see on your screen, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet, still waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. What if the psalm just ended there and it didn't have the famous rap song part? I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Maybe I'm dating some of y'all out there with old school. I think that's Coolio, and you know he made uh, his little single braids. I don't even know what you call them. Real popular. They were just ugly before, and now they're like really nice looking, I guess. And so, imagine if that part weren't there. I mean, you still sort of sense the struggle when he says, "I shall not want," and and he restores my soul, but. It's really because of this part, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, that, that David is talking about a major struggle. And most folks who study the Bible think that what he's referring to is not necessarily the time when he was fighting for his baby, when he had basically killed uh, a man, took her, took his husband, took his wife for his own, you know, slept with her, had an affair, married her, and, and he got confronted about that. It's not that. It was more that down the line, years down the line, he's had babies with all type of baby mamas and, you know, they're all living with him and they start squabbling. And one son finally just is so fed up with all of the brokenness in his family. And he decides that he's going to use all his energy to overthrow his father. The king. And I think it's that pain where David is like fleeing the capital with his loyalists, the loyalist people, that at some point in that journey, either going to or coming back, where he's writing this psalm about his son Absalom, him running into Shimei and all kinds of enemies along the road. You know, we need this psalm there. You know, it's because. He's in this valley of the shadow of death. Just, we need it now more than ever. So let, let's get into it. It says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You know, David is saying, I'm good, I'm straight. Things are gonna be all right, I shall lack nothing, I have everything I need. But he's not saying it in the sense of, like like we say it, you hear some maybe young young people say, hey, I'm cool, I'm straight, I'm good, which is basically like, I don't want to talk about it anymore, don't bother me. Um, it's too painful to talk about, even though you're not straight, just to end the conversation, you say I'm straight. But David's not saying that. He's saying I'm straight because the Lord is my shepherd. 
God's got me. And, and, and I don't know, for those of you that know Jesus out there, the words that come into my mind is in John 10, the beautiful, beautiful imagery that Jesus brings about himself when he's with his disciples and he's saying, I am the good shepherd. I am the great shepherd. I lay down my life for the sheep. Everyone who came before me, they were either liars and robbers and stealers, or they were like under shepherds, but I'm the good shepherd. That comforting, fatherly reference to himself. And just like we're good because of Jesus, David, he's looking forward to Jesus saying, I'm good because of Jesus. We are good. We shall lack nothing because of Jesus. Everything's going to be okay because of Jesus. I have everything I need because of Jesus. Things are going to be all right because of Jesus. I hope some of you are saying amen out there and just constantly repeating this stuff. You know, I know some of you on Facebook have seen like the daily six things you do, like get dressed, be sure you take a shower and do your morning routine. And what are you thankful for? Well, just saying these things that I'm going to be okay because of Jesus. So David's saying, I'm good, I'm straight. Not on my own strength. It's not just a frat platitude fronting. It's no, I'm good, I'm straight because of Jesus. And then he goes on in the second part of uh, the second verse there and he says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. And immediately you start thinking of comfort. That's what green pastures, I just think of like lying down but also green pastures symbolizes abundance. And abundance right now, boy, it's a weird thing that we're experiencing. Abundance is needed big time. I don't know about you, but every morning I wake up, I wanna go to the store and get some more stuff. It's like, I need to hoard. Like we are all capping on all the people buying bottled waters and, and toilet paper, but I feel that now. Why? It's because when you, when, when you can't control something, you feel exposed. And when you feel exposed, the way you control stuff is to shop, is to uh, find other ways to control and to feel like, and, 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 to, and it's to have this plenty. You know, I don't know if you guys saw some of the stuff, uh, you know, news reports where you had young people partying. They were saying, well, if I get Corona, I get Corona. And there's like a bazillion names, you know, SARS, SV, this 19, COVID, coronavirus, Corona, CV19. And, and who knows, a scientist's going to put new names to this thing. But I think we have to name stuff and we have to minimize it. That's not, another form of control. And it ain't nothing wrong with that. That is a natural response to something big out of our control that we see out there. But... God providing comfort. I hope you feel God's been providing comfort to you. And I know that not everyone is feeling this, but for the most part, the reports I've been hearing is I'm so thankful for my house. I'm so thankful for my fridge. I'm so thankful for my lights and my heat. I'm so thankful that I have roommates or kids, as long as they're not going out there and putting us in danger. I'm so thankful that I have, you know, Zoom and other ways to just be able to slow down and reflect God supplies us in abundance. He's leading us to green pastures. Uh, in the second part of the second verse, it says, he leads me beside quiet waters, still waters. And what that is, is, is that's the peace 
to God's comfort and God's abundance to the green pastures. And again, I'm using way more words than David is using. It's just, you know, when you're in that space, you can't be preached at like I'm preaching to you right now. It's more like you're reading these verses and it's just coming and you have this imagery of still waters, peace. And this peace is not something that, you know, you can meditate your way out of it. It's not something that, that we can do and we can make happen. It's a peace that goes beyond understanding, beyond our compression comprehension. Now tell me, I know some of you guys have sleeping problems out there. How do you calm someone down and bring sleep in the midst of a restless night? Five restless nights, 50 restless nights, 20 years in a row of restless nights. This is God that brings about quiet, still, calm waters. You can ask God, you can pray to God for for this type of peace. But the good news is that God is already leading us there. It's that he leads me beside quiet waters. So if you find yourself praying for quiet waters, just know that it's God who's already leading you to that place to refresh you, to have these green pastures. I got you. Be comforted. And then lay down beside these quiet waters here. I just think of... Um, you know, Austin Prince, you know, God bless you, Austin, if you're listening out there in Memphis and and just, you know, he had a song, lead me down to the river, lead me down to the water. I had a, one of my moms growing up, Linda Hampton, you know, she would say, Andrew, whenever I, I feel pain and there's something I can't handle, I go straight to the water. There ain't no ocean, I go to the lake. This is God already leading us there. And then he says that he restores my soul in verse three and that's just sort of completes the trifecta of god bringing comfort and abundance god bringing peace and now he is bringing uh, joy back the first image that comes to my mind i think of some of the brothers coming back home from jail after many nights and years just wasted what they had to pay for. And I know some of us have loved ones, you know, baby daddies, cousins, brothers in jail. We left up a special prayer for them and they must feel so vulnerable, not able to do anything, not able to help out. But even if you're in jail and not out, that God can restore your soul. Just hear that, y'all, especially some of you guys listen. I know some of you guys texting, texting me this morning like, Andrew, I feel totally not at peace. Like, May God restore your soul. May God bring the joy of salvation back to you. As you can't handle being in the house, may, may there be a calm and a peace, you know, unto you. I think of different people who are addicted to alcohol and drugs coming back into their right minds. I think of children who seen too much too early, experienced too much too early, getting their innocence back. And I know parents, this is nothing compared to actually having your child go through something really tough, a bullying, abuse situation. But I know some of us are worried about our kids like, you know, being stuck in the house and not having their friends and, and having to homeschool and us yelling at them. And you know what? We're messing up all the time. But you know what? God is making up for it. And he's keeping our kids, their sense of wonder, their innocence, their love of learning, their natural way they, they play with other people and accept everybody and have their smile. That joy, just think of that. That's what God's doing for us. The second part of that verse three is that he says, it guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And what that is, is 
is that he's leading me in good deeds. And that seems a little bit out of place because in a time of a global pandemic, in a time where your own son is overthrowing you from the throne, where you're fleeing for your life, where people are, are hurling rocks at you, um, you know, it's like, well, what passive righteousness? What I get comfort, I get abundance, I get peace, I get restoring, you know, my joy, but God, good works, I, I'll do that later. That seems like work. And it's actually perhaps a greater grace that God's providing for us, that he's putting us on a path of righteousness, that as we're stuck in the house, and I've been so thankful for Tribe in East Oakland, being able to just be put in a place where we can meet basic essential needs. Um, you know, there's a story that I'll tell later about David where he's able to step up and not just be a victim, but he's able to step into a path of righteousness. But it's not something to make us feel better alone, because that would just be something that will return us so quick to this place, to this hubris of us living apart from God, apart from the main connection that we need. But it says that it's for his name's sake. You know, God is doing this all for his name. And the reason why that is so comforting is because it doesn't depend on us and our name and how we've messed it up. You see, for us, failure is such a hard thing. And imagine right now, I mean, one of my worst fears is that I'll be doing something and because of me, someone got the sickness. But you know what? That happens all the time in our lives and at different points. Those are our greatest failures. And we will duck and dodge and lie and cheat and steal to make sure people don't see that it was our fault. You know, that's how we operate because we cannot handle the blame being put on us. So here it's a greater grace that God would lead us in a path of righteousness when we're suffering, when it's the valley of the shadow of death. And it doesn't depend on our name, what we've done. It depends on his. He's doing it for his name's sake. And he's letting us participate in this thing. You know, we all look to the story of Joseph like he was providing uh, storehouses of grain when the whole world had famine. You know, it's a path of righteousness there. But God wasn't doing that for Joseph. That was part of Joseph's redemption story that he could tell. But the power came when he said it was God. God's doing all this stuff. And as God does this stuff, his name is praised. Amen. So let's not miss, you know, this time where we can see more clearly that the good that's in our lives is not coming from these other things. It's coming from him. It's because of him. He's leading. He's guiding in peace, joy, restoration. And it says that he leads, he guides, he makes me lie down, he restores. It's all God doing these things. But yet, when we get to verse 4, which is where this thing really pivots, he says, even though, and it goes from he doing all this stuff, is even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. It's that... God's not walking us through the valley of the shadow of death. It's, it's there. It's like he's not leading us there. It's I. And, you know, it's really difficult to handle on the one part if you're of the mind that, that you're not connected to God and you don't know God. But it's a really um, encouraging thing 
comforting thing when you come to understand that even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, that you have a lot of failures. It's because of you. David knew that his son was doing this because his son had a lot of pain directly from David. That even though we fail, it's that we have an opportunity in trouble, in times of trouble, to fully put our hope in God who works in the midst of our failures. You guys, you guys get that? That even though we might fail, that, that God works in times of trouble so that we can just wholly turn to him. I mean, we're so quick to take credit for stuff. We have this deep-seated need. I don't know, maybe it's because of our fear, because of our cowardice that we can't handle stuff, and, and we just get into trouble all the time. It's like, I don't even want to go into the shadow of death. I, most of the time, I'll go into illustrations, especially at youth groups, try to, you know, wake them up, like, y'all, wake up. But I don't think anyone needs to get wake, woken up. We woke. It's like, oh. And there's this shadow of death. There's this blanket of death all over us. And we're hoping, we're praying. And, and I haven't heard many people who know first or secondhand, Lord, you know, let me knock on some wood. And forget knocking on wood. I'm knocking on God's door here. That, you know, God, may you be the one that is you know, protecting us from the shadow of death. Because we constantly have it in us to forget about the Lord and that foundation and our hope. You know, we say stuff like, well, you know, um, the good things in my life is, is stuff that I have a connection to. It's because of me. And we might, God lets us have a part. He lets us walk in passive righteousness, but it's God that's doing all of it. We might say my bank account is good because I manage it manage my finances right. And then even the most successful businesses right now with like cash flow for 90 days, they can't handle $50 million a month going out and nothing coming in. You can say my family is healthy and good and strong because I've been a good parent. I've, I've read a bunch of books. I've learned from my parents and all that might be true, but bam, one or two consecutive things, an accident, a, a disease, you know, some violence happens to your family and you get wiped out just like that. Lord, may it not be, but I'm just, let me go on with a few other examples. Sorry, bear with me here. You know, just, you know, you said I'm healthy because I, and I exercise and, and I eat right and I have good genes. And then you hear about cancer or you, or you hear about this silent, non-prejudice, uh, slow death that's out there that just, you know, with no regard for anyone's finances or who they are, where they came from, what they look like, what race they are just comes and can just end your life just like that. You know, I'm just sorry for some of the crude examples. I'm just trying to get across that, that it's God that, that's keeping us here. It, it, it's, it, it's Jesus that's really being our shepherd. And I'm just amazed. I, I've watched some pretty scary stuff of, of how quickly this thing could spread and, and the touch. And, this, and maybe I'm just, I'll stop talking about this, but I'm just saying, like, God is the one that's protecting us. We can't wash our hands all the time. And I've learned to wash my hands from Alex, you know, my wife, like 20 seconds, A, B, C, D. And, and, but there's so much stuff. You put on the latex gloves and then you touch something and you touch your face. What good was that latex? It's just God is constantly protecting us. And it's in the shadow of death that's all around us with a million things that could kill us out here in nature that 
David says, I will fear no evil. You know, it's times like this where our foundations are shaken and we should take that as an opportunity. Where is our hope? What are we putting our hope on? Who are we praying to? Are we meditating to ourselves, some universal spirit out there? And if that works for you, then it's like, God bless you. But for me, it's like, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. You know, again, excuse me for some of the just going there with the shadow of death, but I just want to say that in the face of real evil, God is real. He's more real. David says in the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And then he makes a switch in his language. He says, for you are with me. Before he's talking about the Lord, he leads, he guides, passive righteousness, he restores. But now he turns to God and he says, you are with me, your rod and your staff. God is not aloof, uncaring, unfeeling. He's the opposite of the virus. He's warm. You know, this is our hope. This is our faith. At this time, he says your your rod and your staff, and and you should get a picture of both protection and support. Like the shepherds back then used the staff to, to lean on, because you couldn't like just sit down in the mud out there, right? So oftentimes you were just bending over and and sitting on, you know, you just couldn't sit on stuff. There were ants there, red ants, whatever the, whatever was out there, right? And so you you always leaned and support something that wouldn't break, right? And then. The rod, it was used for both protection against wolves and, and predators and parasites. And, and, and then it was also lead to guide, you know, like extension of your arm just constantly. And, and there's, there's these uh, imagery in Ezekiel and other prophets where there's a rod, like a tension rod, and you would kind of go under it. And anything that went under it, your sacrifice, your children, it was holy. It was kept safe. You're protected. And I just want to Put it out there to you, everybody. Just know that, that, that we're under God's protection. We have his support. Your rod and your staff, God. Is Claim that for yourself. Claim that for your loved ones, for your sick ones, for your children, for your brothers, for your parents, for the elderly. Your rod and your staff. They comfort me. I mean, he's given us natural ways to support us and protect us. You know, our skin, our nose hairs, um, you know, just, just to be able to protect ourselves. And he's given us our immensely complex immune systems, given us doctors, nurses, custodians, security guards, all the important people in the hospital there to receive us and revive us. But ultimately, it's God who gives life and death. I've been in hospitals. I've seen in the emergency room people on their deathbed and where, you know, doctors and nurses have turned to me and said, do your thing. Do your thing. Pray. Like, it's not my thing. I just happen to be here because I know him. And we lay hands and we pray. And we've seen it turn. It's God who holds life and death. You've got to be in the emergency room these next couple of weeks. Just hold on to this. Pray for your doctor. Pray for the security guard. Pray for the nurse. You know, but, but just know it's God who holds life and death. And just because he's letting, and he is letting some suffer and pass, does not mean that he is not consistently going beyond the natural to do the supernatural. I'm gonna wrap up here because it's almost been 30 minutes, but let me just go into these last verses. It says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and loving kindness 
will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Again, this is another weird thing that doesn't seem to belong because it's all about us and God and God protecting us. But this psalm goes to a very real place. And I think what David's trying to express is that in times of trouble, we have this unique, unique opportunity to rebuild relationships. Uh, I don't know about you, but just being in the house, uh, one of the things I've been feeling is this exact same thing, is that, uh, you know, God's been preparing a table before me. And there's a banquet. But you know what? The ones that I'm good with, that I love, love me, and that we're right, they're not at the table. Physically, they are. My wife and my kids and my mother. We haven't seen my mom. and We've seen her, but we haven't spent any time to protect her. You know, I'm not seeing the ones I'm good with. Rather, I'm seeing people I'm not good with. And that's who's bubbling up in my heart. And that's who I want to call. That's who I want to say sorry. That's who I want to just receive forgiveness from and give forgiveness to. And I don't know how to initiate it, but I just have this heart of sorry. And those are who are around my table is my quote unquote enemies. You know, like David, I think what he's referring to is there was this, uh, I said I was going to get into the story. As he was leaving the capital, fleeing his son, who was going to kill him in a coup, and as he has his, his mighty men and all the people that he rode with ever since he was a young guy, and he, and he basically took Saul's place, there was a guy from Saul's tribe, Shimei, who, or Shimei, I'm going to call him Shimei, um, and he... Uh, he was pelting them with rocks on a hillside as they were passing in the valley. And he was like, David, you're getting exactly what you deserve. You're a man of blood. May blood be on your head and may blood come out of your head. And he was just sizing them up, you know, just throwing rocks, throwing rocks. And one of David's mighty men, you know, just like I would have done, said, please, let me go put a spear in this dude's mouth. Let me cut his head off. That's exactly what he said. Not, the, not putting a spear in his head, but just let me cut his head off. David said, you know what? No. This guy is, uh, you know, perhaps God is just, you know, letting this happen to me at a time in which, you know, I can, I can, it's a path that I need to walk and perhaps he'll just look upon me with, you know, and basically what he was saying is, I need a heart of forgiveness right now. It's not that what this guy is saying is prophetic. I have been a man of blood. There's a lot of things I can't do, and there's a lot of reasons why things are the way they are. And it's a time to rebuild relationships, not to cut them off. And in this time of trouble, in this time where there's this shadow of death all around us, we have a unique opportunity that as we have time to spend and be on the phone and be on Zoom and Google Hangouts and email and text just to reach out and have this heart of forgiveness. And, and I know that in some of this stuff, it's people that have wronged me, who have disrespected me, and they should be calling me, ask for my forgiveness. But it's like, it doesn't matter at this point. It's like in my heart, I still feel the hurt and the pain nonetheless. And it's like, I can reach out with a heart of sorry. I can reach out with something meaningful and we can cry together and we can talk about it. But you know what? Talking about it, it's like, we, it doesn't need to go beyond like just starting with, I'm sorry. I need your forgiveness. I want to extend to you mine. I just want to talk. I want to say enough for us to cry together. I'm not sure if I can handle more than that. I just want to be good with you. 
and not in a cheap way. We could talk about this, you know, end over end, but I'm just trying to approach you with a heart of forgiveness to reconcile, to restore. Finally, David ends with goodness, make surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Is there a better word in all of English besides loving kindness? I I I, I just I just peeped that again and I was like, God, may you just cover over me. I'm gonna pray loving kindness, I'm gonna be loving kindness, I'm gonna share loving kindness and i'm going to pray for more loving kindness and I, you, you, I see a vision of like a lion and a puppy at the same time it meant strength and might along with sensitivity and compassion and softness this is the god that covers over us and i think this is something that we can pray if you're wondering what to pray and i know i've been running out of prayers just god how do i pray for this again how do i pray for a different angle and it's just surely goodness and loving kindness god will rest over that household. Surely goodness and loving kindness will cover this family and this person. And, and you know, I think it's also a hope that we can rest in right now that should the worst happen, we can know that someone's going to be in the house of the Lord forever. It's both something that we can take comfort in that they're okay, they're not suffering. And at the same time, it helps us to move on because of that. You know, the, talking to different people and we're like, you know, doing real stuff, you know, getting wills ready and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. You know, talk to a few fathers and they're saying, you know, I'm not fearing me, you know, death, but it's just those that love me, care for me. And it's just all too dang emotional, you know, to handle. Um, but, but nonetheless, David inserts these words here. And that's a, there's a reason why this is read over a funeral. But maybe we just not read this over a funeral. Maybe we have it in our hearts. Maybe we proclaim this. Maybe, maybe we believe it beforehand and it's not something that's just eternal out there which immensely helps but it's also something for us that we can dwell in the house of the lord here that god's making things better here that's not just pie in the sky believe me we got a pie in the sky we got a whole dang ice cream cake oreo you know big chocolate donuts all your favorite whatever up there we got all that but it's also dwelling in the house of the lord here forever means then eternity and now that God's going to make stuff better, restore our joy, give us peace and security now, give us comfort in abundance, to, to put us on a path of righteousness, to have good deeds in the midst of big trouble, big pain, big suffering, death all around us, valley in the shadow of death. I shall fear no evil. Amen. Hey, what I like us to do is for everybody to to stand up. Before you do that, turn on your mics, turn on your video. I like to ask all of us just to share, just to not share, just to speak and say Psalm 23 together. I don't know if there's gonna be feedback. I don't care. I just think before Neymon plays this next song, just want all you guys to to, you know, and if you got different versions, I mean BK will have it up on the screen, I think, but let's just all stand up. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna switch our view to our family here. Zavi, glad you came downstairs, and you guys can see that on the screen. Let's just uh, give you guys just, you know, 10, 15 more seconds here. Just as you're standing, let's just, you know, I'm going to hold my kids' hands. You guys can hold each other's hands, you know.
It's not nobody else's hand. <laughs> Let's just say oh, Psalm 23 together. A Psalm of David, verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me to the righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk on the I will fear no evil. A table for me in the presence of my Father, we just, uh, while we're on this tech, nonetheless, our spirits together and we're gathered in two or three, Lord, and the 20 or 30 or 40 of us that are here on YouTube, on Zoom, or we just lift up together and we say that we will fear no evil for you are with us, your rod and your staff, may they comfort us. And we pray that goodness and loving kindness would follow us all the days of our lives, as you've been doing, as you have done, as you will do. And may we dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And all of God's people said, Amen. 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 Amen.